Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in, we are in Revelation chapter 10. It's the shortest chapter of the book, I believe. It is only 11 verses long. Um, and uh, I would say of, of a lot of the chapters in, in, in Revelation, this is the one more uh, difficult in terms of translation and, and application. So let's just dive in and see what we can uh, get out of it. I do think one of the keys is connecting chapter 10 to the first 14 verses of chapter 14 or chapter 11 um, but we'll, we'll see that as, as we get there um, you, you see that uh, he sees another mighty angel I don't think we should try to identify uh, who who this angel is um, but it's just uh, someone either within the divine council or just an angel in general uh, described as being wrapped in the cloud rainbow over his head um, so on and so forth well all this imagery is is to uh, get us to, to push us to see um, uh, the magnitude and might of this this singular angel um, and the message he's bringing is from God himself uh, verse 2 he had a little scroll open his hand and he set his right foot on the sea his left foot on the land a couple of things to, to, to see here one the idea of being on the land and the sea is, is to describe um, the reach of, of what is on the scroll the message um, and so it's it's the whole world also is is a common picture of the Roman world of of might and strength and reach so the uh, I think it's the Colossus um, statue um, was depicted as one foot in the sea one foot on land um, I think it was like 200 feet tall or something like that um, and it was their version of the Statue of Liberty I guess and uh, but I think 50 years after it was completed it was destroyed by an earthquake something like that so perhaps John is borrowing from from that Im imagery um, here but nevertheless what is important although the left foot on the on the land right foot in the sea is repeated I think three times in this chapter so so that is uh, important of course three is an important number as is seven as we'll see here as is four as we'll see here uh, but he had a little scroll open in his hand and the question is what is this this little scroll and and this is where there's a lot of debate um, some want to connect it to the scroll that is opened in chapter 5. Um, I don't lean in that direction. Um, for one, only one was worthy to open it. Um, and so the assumption here is that now that it's opened, uh, anyone can handle it. Um, I, I, don't, I don't buy into that because that isn't described as a little scroll, but with seven seals would have been quite long, writing on both the front and the back. This seems to be different. I think it's connected to what we see in chapter 11 with the two witnesses. Uh, but I could be wrong on that. This is a real mystery to me. Um, and uh, I'm open to hear what other people may, may like say. Uh, but the angel speaks with a loud voice like a lion roaring. Now, um, the Bible uses lions for Jesus, for Satan, who, who roams like a lion seeking to devour. Uh, and here an angel, uh, prophetically of the Messiah, uh, in the, the son of Judah, you know, so you go back to Genesis. Uh, so this imagery is found through, throughout the Bible. Just, just uh, to them, a lion was the most ferocious uh, beast, of course. Um, and he called out, seven thunder sounded. I, I think in many ways those, those are parallels. The idea of, of a lion's roar uh, and seven thunders peeling. Well, the idea is, is to emphasize completeness. So, so you got the seven, but also the magnitude of, of it. Um, 
and they said, seal up what the seven thunders have said, do not write them down. It's, it's fascinating that thunders here speak, it's a mixing of metaphors, which you can do in apocalyptic literature, because we know what is being communicated there, but it wouldn't make sense in a different genre. Uh, but to seal up what, what has been written down, and and here's, here's the thing is, here I think we need to pause and say, there is mystery here. Now, now what we haven't really discussed is, what is John really seeing? He's here on earth. Um, what is he really seeing? And what we need to understand is that, uh, we've talked about this, Revelation goes from action-packed to, um, to an interlude, where things are a lot calmer, to more action to another interlude. And so when we saw the seals, we went through six seals. Before the opening of the seventh, we saw uh, the 144,000, chapter 7, I believe. And then chapters 8 and 9 is the first six trumpets, right? And so now, uh, for a chapter and a half, we're in another interlude. And so uh, with the 144,000, John is in heaven witnessing this. Here, with with the little scroll and the two witnesses, he's on the earth. After all, he's probably on Patmos, and he sees the mighty angel, one foot on the land, one foot on the sea. So now, now he's, yeah, he's got an earthy perspective, right? And so that 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 is important uh, for us to understand that there's a pattern here, and it helps us to understand the chronology of things. So if you have a strict chronology that this happens after this and so on, um, then then that, that then what happens in these interludes will 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 affect your interpretation. If you think it's more cyclical, right? There's some overlap and parallelism on purpose to emphasize the certainty of God's judgment. Well, that's going to affect your your interpretation here. Now, what is written uh, here, or what is said in the seven thunders, most agree remains a mystery. The question is is what is said regarding the saints in heaven, uh, or at least what awaits the saints in heaven, or is it part of this, this judgment? And, and I don't know the answer to that. What I will say is that this clearly, we don't know what is said, and we should leave it at that. There have been cults and other movements that have tried to tell us what is said here. Um, one of the uh, better known cults, it's Mary Baker Eddy's. I don't know if that's I don't think it's Seventh-day Adventism, maybe Christian science or something, uh, claim to have received a revelation to what was said here. Um, and I, I'm not sure, uh, I'm pretty sure we, we shouldn't trust any of that. But there have been groups who have tried to, by special revelation, to explain what is communicated here. But you see that the main point at the end of verse 6 is there would be no more delay. Um, and, and, and this is, of course, speaking of, of judgment. And that in the days of the trumpet called to be sounded by the seventh angel, so there's still a seventh trumpet, which will open up the seven bowls, uh, the mystery of God will be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. So we may be getting a hint here that whatever this mysterious message is, is it in fulfillment of what the Old and New Testament have proclaimed? That, that is certainly one, one option here. Um, and is it thus the seven bowls? I, mean, I, I don't know. Uh, again, I've, I've been pretty honest. I'm pretty agnostic about some things and a lot of things, actually, in, in Revelation. And where I think there's mystery, I, I think we should leave it there as mystery, barring more 
investigation. I really want us to look at, uh, starting in verse 9, uh, the angel gives John the little scroll, so we still don't know what is on it. Um, and he says, take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. Um, now, if you know your Bible, that picture should be familiar to you. Now, if you don't know your Bible, it's just bizarre, eating a scroll. Remember, this is apocalyptic literature. It's not literal, um, but it's, 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 a, um, it's a way of communicating something. Ezekiel was told to do the same thing. And for the most part, for the sake of simplicity, uh, he, he confessed to its sweetness and its bitterness. This is common in the Bible to describe the Bible as sweet as honey. The words of God are, are sweet, um, and so we should digest them. We should take them in. But here what we have, as with Ezekiel, is though it is sweet to receive, it is bitter now, I think we understand what's being communicated there. The judging of God is good, but it is also bitter. right? So, so, so we live with this tension of we want God's justice and God's judgment to rain down upon the earth. Come, Lord Jesus, quickly. But at the same time, we understand that there are real consequences to it. Right? That there, the, the, the people will suffer. And God's judgment will come down on them. So we're called to love people to grace. At the same time, we want judgment uh, upon it. I think uh, Martin Luther is really helpful. I, I like to uh, I put a post on my website uh, some time ago. Every time there's, there's a major tragedy, a school shooting or something like that. Um, so I don't know if I'll be able to get this right. Uh, whenever tragedy strikes, Luther encourages us to, to pray three things. One for the um, comfort of the suffering, for the salvation of sinners, and for the judgment of the wicked. And within that, you see a tension, right? So, so the comfort of those who are suffering are believers and non-believers. You want the salvation of all non-believers, while simultaneously wanting judgment upon the evil, evil ones. So, so you, you, there's that tension of both grace and judgment simultaneously, which is really what we see at the cross, isn't it? We see both grace being shed in the blood of Jesus. We also see the judgment of God in the darkness at noon. And, and so I suspect that is, uh, that is what it is that we are, we are seeing here. Um, verse uh, 11, And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Now, now, this, I think, is the key point of this entire chapter. You can probably tell I, I, this chapter is a real struggle for me. Um, but I think verse 11 is the key, and that is the commandment, you must prophesy. Now, notice it follows him, him receiving this scroll. And I think verse 11 gives us a hint at what it is that, not on the scroll, but what the scroll represents. When you come into chapter 11, we meet the two witnesses, and we'll talk about who they are. Um, and, and their connection to Moses and Elijah and all that sort of stuff. Uh, they prophesy for a time and then are, are, are um, uh, caught up. But what is it that they preach? Do they not preach the gospel? At the very least, the word of God. I think, or I suspect, there is a connection between the two witnesses and what they do and what John is called to do here. Maybe the little scroll is the book of Revelation. I don't know. At the very least, it is the gospel that must be prophesied. It must be preached to many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Notice there's four groupings there. 
Yeah, and, and that is taken from Daniel and other places. Peoples, nations, language, and kings. As to say, the message of the little scroll is to go throughout the world. So, so notice what we have here. At the end of chapter 6, we see uh, with the uh, seal judgments, people are saying uh, to the mountains, fall on us for who can, uh, who, who can handle the, the judgment of God. And then we get the answer. It's, it's the people of God, the saints. In chapters 8 and 9, it concludes with, I called to repentance, but none will repent. Followed by a chapter about receiving the word of God. The scroll comes from God, so it is the word of God. And then proclaiming the word of God. And so, it is bittersweet in that the hope of the gospel is made known. But it is also rejected. Even amid God's clear intervention. So I think verse 11 is the key to everything. So, so, so in terms of application and encouragement, because this is supposed to be a devotion, not a Bible study, uh, but it's hard to do that with Revelation. Uh, here's the point. You and I are called to faithfully share and proclaim the gospel of Christ regardless of if anyone receives it. We are not called to success. We are called to faithfulness. Preach Proclaim, share, reach. Leave everything else to God, who is mightier than this mighty angel. Hope to see you guys here, Lord willing, tomorrow.